Hi everybody, it's Tom from Cricket Coach 365 and welcome to our latest podcast. So hi everyone, it's Tom from Cricket Coach 365 and welcome to our latest podcast um, on women and girls cricket and very warm welcome to Alexia Walker. Alexia is a director of cricket at Aldridge Cricket Academy, which we're going to hear more about as we as we chat. Um, she's a former England women's cricketer and uh, most cap player, I think, for Sussex uh, women's cricket. Youngest ever person to attain level four ECB uh, coaching qualification, uh, and also um, as part of her former cricketing CV, she was cricket performance manager at Loughborough University. Um, so yeah, a, a, a real star-studded um, cricket CV, Alexia, and delighted to have you with us. So thank you very much for making the time. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, it makes me feel quite old, realising how much I've managed to squeeze in in the last few decades. Well, age, age is just a number, but I think you're being uh, far too modest, and because that's only the highlight of your uh, of your cricketing CV, um, you know, a summary, if you like. Uh, there's far more to it, and hopefully, um, I'll be able to draw out a few more of those those milestones in your in your own personal cricketing journey. Um, so, um, for uh, for the for the purpose of um, of our, our our podcast, I always ask the, the first question, which is really about going back to. You know your earliest recollection of uh, getting involved with cricket, and if you can paint a picture, uh, describe for for us and our listeners um, what where that was, when that was, um, who who was involved, etc. Yeah, so I think like many of us that got kind of um, soaked up into the world of cricket, it started with just a love of sport. Um, uh, my family were very into sport, not not specifically cricket, although later down the line I found out that my uh, my grandmother used to play cricket, which was uh, obviously about quite some years ago. Um, but uh, yeah, I just tried it at school. A Sussex cricket coach came into my primary school when I was in year five. Um, and being very competitive as a person, I thought, I want to give this a go. The only girl that went along to the, the, the coaching sessions run after school. Uh, and from there, I got asked to go as the most improved or most potential. I don't know what they, they class it as back then. And to a day at Sussex, so I went across there, got me nervous, there was about 80 people there, and again, I was the only girl, um, and it was a fantastic day, and um, it was when Peter Moores was, was still playing back then, and, and Keith Greenfield, who's obviously still involved at Sussex now, so very memorable day, and at the very end they gave me an application form um, for the Sussex Women's Cricket Association, as it was known there, um, to go to some girls' trials, so I picked up a bat for the first time in January, by that summer, I was playing for the Sussex Under-11s. Um, and I just think what a fantastic uh, accolade to Sussex cricket that we had such a great pathway that could pick somebody up so quickly and then and get them into a performance environment. Um, and I do say, cliche, the rest is history, but it was a, a really fantastic journey that I went on from there with, with Sussex and then to the kind of England Academy setup. Um, and I'm just very lucky. I had a very supportive head teacher at primary school who, who loved cricket, that loved the fact that I was doing well, whether I was male or female. And there was a picture of me in his office uh, next to his wife and child with my Sussex kit when I first uh, got my first shirt. Uh, so very, very proud of me. And, and I became captain of my school team in year six. Um, and then, yeah, because of Sussex cricket and how well structured it was, the volunteers involved back then, I, I was able to play and train. Uh, in, a, in a fantastic program, 
really helped me understand so many things other than just you know batting and bowling it was time management it was the sacrifices my parents had to make to get me to to uh Rodine school which is where we played most of our games down here in the south coast and and then beyond that traveling up to Trent Bridge for England matches so you know I was in the training so there was so much uh that just kind of snowballed really from from that very first picking up the bat in the, in the January all the way through to where I am today and um, I'm just so grateful that cricket has given me that opportunity to to do all those different things um, you know where I am now is actually I think it was almost full circle so I started in a state primary school and never played cricket when I was at secondary school even though I'd made my England academy debut by, by the time I was in year 10 I think um, so that was a very odd experience for me not to be playing at school so having worked at Loughborough University, Brighton College, I'm now in an environment where I'm giving young people an opportunity to hopefully follow a journey similar but even better to the one that I was on with, with the professionalisation of, of women and girls sport as well. So it's, um, it's a nice time to kind of sit and reflect on, on that kind of journey and, and um, all the different things that have happened along the way. Well, I mean, um, hopefully we will get uh, or give you the opportunity to tell us a little bit more about um, your role at uh, Aldridge Cricket Academy and what, what its kind of purpose and values is as we further develop the, the conversation. But I think, um, I think you know, as a, as a starter for 10, to hear um, you as an individual with all, all those accolades behind you talk about that kind of um, very normal beginning, uh, which lots of people uh, can relate to um, in a... You know, in a normal primary school, um, having the opportunity or being given the opportunity through uh, a coach coming in from the local county, um, doing an after-school club, inviting you to a, a kind of a uh, a trial day, if you like, and, and then you know, and then very quickly being in- included within the junior pathway system from that moment onwards is a, you know, it's a brilliant story and 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 one which all of our younger listeners or parents with um you know with with young um with young children listening and, and wanting to have that sort of aspiration and, and ambition it's a it's a great story to to hear the start of um i'm interested in just hearing a little bit more about um you know it, club cricket if you played any club cricket as a junior um alongside uh, the county pathway that you've already alluded to um and and if if that was the case what what was your experience like yeah, so uh, one thing I forgot to, to mention is that I, I was very lucky to be uh, of an age back when I first picked up my bat uh, when the 1993 Women's World Cup was hosted in, in England. Um, and it was, I think, it was the last time until um, this uh, most recent World Cup that we've seen it on BBC as well. So the women's game was at Lords and it was on the BBC and they won it, which was fantastic. And so that, that really did help. So I think where we're at now with cricket and exposure uh, hopefully more free-to-air stuff um, that, that was that was the experience I had back in 93 um, I guess from there having experienced some county cricket and some school cricket there was this kind of well what else can I do so join my local club which is Bexhill Cricket Club um, with lots of my school teammates the, the boys that I played with and kind of played in their cult section um, on and off at, at seven years sometimes it clashed with Sussex stuff so I didn't play but but it was it was great and, and I just love the the challenge that playing in a in a boys team you know in some sports obviously you can mix to a certain age but cricket is the one sport where you can just keep going if you're good enough you will play in that team and uh, even back when we're talking in the 90s that there was still that 
yes, people thought it was a bit odd to see a girl playing cricket, but, you know, it was completely okay. Your teammates rallied around you and really enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, so I enjoyed playing for them. I played for a few other boys' teams in and around that time. Um, and then, obviously, with my cricket going really well, it was a decision I need, I need to be playing women's cricket. And um, back then, there was, most counties had one really strong women's team, which was almost like your county side. And, and for us, that was Brighton and Hove women's cricket team. So we had two teams back then and played a couple of games in the twos and then made it into the ones, which was Claire Connell was, was in charge back then of, of that side. And, you know, by the, by the time I was a full, you know, regular member of that club side, we were travelling to Bath and to Kent and to North London on Sunday for a 50-over game. Um, but it was it was great and it was fantastic high standard of cricket because we were basically kind of playing county cricket with a club shirt on. Um, so that's my kind of experience as a younger player and how I kind of fell into cricket. There weren't girls club teams back then. There were, just wasn't the volume of girls playing cricket. So if you wanted to be much more local to where you lived, it was getting involved with the boys team. And I loved it. I, I really enjoyed bowling people out, whacking people for sixes and, uh, and seeing their reactions. But um, And obviously then as my career evolved, um, I spent 10 years at Brighton Hove Cricket Club and then I moved the last couple of years of my career to Horsham Cricket Club um, north of the county. We were really developing and building a, a strong girls section beneath their women's set-up and so I got to the end of my career, I wanted to plan an absolute road at Horsham uh, as a more of a batting rounder by then uh, and also help kind of develop a, a kind of structure there with their girls um, and which is still doing well. So um, yeah, a few different clubs but really enjoyed that experience, enjoyed the whole having to help put the sight screens out, put the rope out, enjoy some club teas and uh, all those kind of things. And uh, again, quite a unique part of, of our sport, I guess, but um, an important part of what I did as, as a player, it, it gave me a little bit of freedom to express myself. Uh, obviously, always very competitive, always wanting to win, but um, uh, slightly less pressure than playing for, for Sussex and, and the England Junior Centre back then. How, how much do you think you're competitive? You've mentioned the word competitive a couple of times already, and um, for for, the, for listeners, you won't have the uh, the benefit of of me being able to see Alexia's face when she uses that word. So it's clearly um, something that you feel is a natural part of your makeup. Uh, but how how much of that competitive spirit do you think helped you when it came to as you, as you alluded to? You know, there weren't any girls teams um, in the nineties, so uh, being able to be given an opportunity uh, to play. Um, you know, different age groups within the club environment with boys, um, how much do you think your competitive instinct helps? Oh, absolutely. I think um, when you're successful in sport, business, whatever your field is, you've got to have that kind of grit and determination to, to be the best you can be if you want to get to the top. Um, and for me, my, my brother was a big influence, older brother. I think uh, a lot of... A lot of uh, younger players, boys and girls, who've got older siblings, uh, always want to be snapping at their heels and trying to be as good as them. Uh, he was much more into tennis uh, than, than cricket. Uh, I, I was a tennis player before cricketer. That's what I, I really loved doing. Um, but uh, having that kind of enjoyment of the, the heat, the battle, and, and uh, getting stuck in, and, and like I said earlier, bowling a boy out, and uh, him going, oh, it's just a girl. Doesn't matter. Like this bowling ball that you use, same ball, same stump, same wicket, um, uh, and I just I think it's in my makeup. I just really enjoyed that kind of challenge um, week in week out. Um, you know, I, I got nervous. I wasn't just one of those kind of cocky, arrogant people that just thought I was really good. I was, I was very quite timid as a young as a youngster. Um, 
but I think all those experiences help bring me to where I am now as you know relatively confident relatively happy in, in what I can do to achieve um, things now that I'm, I'm working rather than, than playing um, but I think uh, all sport I love all sport I love watching football um, I do support Arsenal so it's been a, a very tough 10 years um, not, as, not uh, as tough as being an Aston Villa fan I can assure you Alexia oh, true okay we, we're both uh, both got those issues in our football life mm. um, but obviously you can see but behind me I've got um, Brighton Hove Albion the stadium is literally 500 yards from where I work now so I've got a bit of a soft spot for them and, uh, uh, and and yeah and I think anybody that kind of embraces all the different elements of sport where it's the teamwork the camaraderie the travel um, you've, you've got to have a bit of a bit of steadiness in you and, and I think um, yeah that's inbred from my parents my brother that c- cultural kind of thing but also just yeah cricket it's, it's just brilliant I think it, it brings out so many different traits in people but the, the bottom line is you go out across that white line and you're trying to win and you're trying to find ways to really ex- ex- expose players to uh, your skills and, and try and beat them so um, yeah I think it's innate most of us that play play sport yeah I think you're probably right I think uh, but, but it's good I think to, to hear you know your own reflections on that in terms of um, how your personality um, albeit uh, sort of timid as you as you you described it, but still competitive, uh, contributed to you know being the player you um, you you were to begin with, and you know also shaped um, you to be the person you are now. Um, and I, and I think it's also good to hear that you know you were um, nervous, you did have ap- um, apprehensions, um, uh, because I think that's that's normal for everybody, um, and perhaps one of the biggest. One of the biggest uh, things um, that I'm interested in and lots of coaches that uh, listen to this podcast and follow us on other social media is around that kind of psychological um, aspect of addressing the fear of failure. Um, and, you know, as the only girl um, in, a, in a boys team, you know, all eyes would have been on you, I guess. So even more of a um, even more anxiety potentially to have to deal with. But what, what, what about... Um, what about moving from junior cricket to um, to adult cricket? How how did you find that? And did you have any experience alongside playing um, for Brighton Hove um, in the first instance, uh, and in all women's team? Did you have any experience of playing um, in your um, in any other club uh, for a for a men's team? Um, I played a little bit of uh, men's cricket. Um, I suppose by that time I was. Uh, obviously, with the Sussex women, uh, Sussex juniors, I was still, you know, they would play under 21s for a number of years um, back in the, the late 90s. I think they stopped doing that. Um, and I, I remember playing one game um, with Aaron Brindle up in uh, Lincolnshire. So she's got a fantastic accolade of being one of the few females to have scored a Premier League uh, county uh, 100 in the men's team up there um, for Laos. Uh, so I remember playing a game with them. Um, and, and really enjoying it. Um, it is very different, you know. The ball comes down at you a bit quicker. It's a heavier ball, um, but uh, I loved it. And uh, I wish I kind of had done a bit more of that, to be honest. Uh, if I could have fitted it all in. Um, but again, it's when I went to Loughborough University as a student, we we trained in and around the boys. So, um, and back then it was when Monty Panazar was there, Chris Nash, Jimmy Adams, former Hampshire captain, and, and we trained virtually all of our sessions. Batting and bowling, there's a little bit of interaction, but generally everything we did physically, we were as a group. And we felt that kind of real competitiveness coming through from them. Um, but also that understanding that we're all just humans and we all get different fears and anxieties and, and stresses about things. And, and, and particularly when you're in a university programme, because you're just trying to study and get a degree alongside 
trying to make it as a professional player. So those experiences were really interesting for me to see where I fitted into and where I wanted to go with my kind of career back then. Uh, the other thing that I found very interesting at that kind of phase of my life, you know, that 17, 18, 19, um, was being exposed to a lot more psychology psychology support so we did uh, the Myers-Briggs personality indicator yeah which fits for some people it doesn't for others but for me it was it really explained where I was as a person uh, yes I was a cricketer yes I was you know relatively strong academically and, and all those things but what, who was I and how did I fit into all those things and where was I going to go with it and the big eye opener for me although I don't know why it was an eye opener because it was just so obvious was I I'm, very very strong on the introversion scale mm -hmm. so in terms of how that fits into the Myers-Briggs way of thinking is where do I get my energy from and it's not one of those kind of real holistic things that it's just about if I'm absolutely shattered and knackered and I need to press recharge do I go down to the pub with my friends and be around as many people as possible and get their energy or do I go and sit in a room read a book watch tv do some lego because I'm a bit of a lego fan whatever it is that is me and then I suddenly went yes that, that's what I need a hell of a lot of the time because I'm around people in a sporting environment you know a working environment and actually I absolutely know that having some time for me is the best way for me to be refreshed um, kind of get that, that edge back I want to be competitive I want to lift more in the gym I want to work really hard on my variation balls whatever it was and, and that was a huge turning point for me understanding me and how I function obviously there's lots of other parts to my personality and, and how I work but that was the, the kind of the penny dropping and actually now if you speak to people who maybe have only known me in the last 10-15 years they, they cannot believe it when I say that because you know like the job I do and, and where I've got to in my career I've had to be quite outspoken I've had to away because being a female in my kind of roles that I've had is, is quite unusual um, so to for them to say oh hang on a minute you're not an introvert you, you, you're really confident you stand up in front of people and you don't even have to practice and I'm like yeah because I've had to learn that to be good at my job and to be good at what I deliver I have to learn that but actually it's exhausting and I, the, all I need to do is go shut my office door and just sit for a bit and then I'm, I'm okay again and and, um, and I think that really helped my cricket for the next 10 years or so you know as I learned that in my late teens to understand how things ever flow and travel around the world around the country I just had to manage me and then my cricket as long as I was ticking all the boxes at training and working really hard would look after itself and I think that was a big thing for me about being successful on the field and now in my work life is just knowing how you work and trying to understand the best way to look after yourself so that you deliver the best you possibly can and people around me as well and I think that's another thing which I was really um, I really learned especially working with Graham Dilly so he was the head coach at, at Loughborough um, when I was the performance manager and we spoke a lot about really understanding the people that are around you so he knew when I needed to go and get a chocolate bar because I was getting hangry and as a redhead me getting hangry just doesn't work so go and get me a hot chocolate from upstairs at the cricket centre in Loughborough or something and um, just little things like that just knowing how each other work knowing uh, it made the working environment so much more productive and uh, I grew so quickly as, as a coach and as a player and obviously then moving on to level four it set me up quickly to be a very young coach in that kind of performance environment so uh, kind of all around the houses there but I think that understanding yourself and that's what I 
try and do as much as possible now as a coach, get players to really start to understand how they like to work and function and where those stresses come and, and how you can deal with them. It, because I know it will have such a positive impact on their cricket, academic life, etc., etc. Yeah, I, I find that all fascinating and, and uh, personally, and you know, I, I'm familiar with Myers Briggs as a as a profiling tool, um, and you know, for those people listening who who aren't, it's it it probably still has that kudos as being um, the the kind of leading uh, personality diagnostic tool or profiling tool or psychometric testing tool um, in in the world, um, and how you describe where you fit on that scale is really interesting as well because. Um, yeah, maybe for um, an outside perception of a um, you know a professional sports individual or somebody who's now in a senior management role, um, you you know the perception could well be that you're more um, you know your your style is more towards the other end of the spectrum, i.e., more extrovert. So it's really interesting to hear you talk about. You know, the reality is you get your energy from having some time to yourself, recuperating, recharging, as you said. Um, and actually, I think it's really important as well for people who share those common uh, traits with Alexia to understand that um, if you are more introvert than extrovert, that's that's absolutely fine. And within a team environment, every team needs somebody who has more of that kind of trait uh, because they can contribute in ways which extroverts just haven't got a clue about. Uh, and so it does take... Um, uh, an intuitive manager so it sounds like Graham Dilley uh, did have that intuition and that kind of understanding of people uh, to be able to really get the best out of everyone individually but it does start with that as you quite rightly describe it that self-awareness um, and the, the coaching cards that uh, that we um, referred to in our last podcast the, the re- one of the main reasons for uh, creating our coaching cards is to not only benefit the coaches, but also to allow the player to become more self-aware of their own game, um, particularly their areas of strength, but holistically learn more about themselves at the same time. Um, so you know we're very aligned there in terms of how you just described that. And it's, it's great to hear that at such a young age, you know, 17, 18, 19, you, you had that opportunity to really get to know um you know you and understand your own personality and your own behavior through doing the uh, the Myers-Briggs um assessment so uh, I did, uh, go on sorry sorry I did revisit uh, when we started that before we kind of re- revisited it so that was probably about a four-year gap because obviously um, as you are in your late teens into your 20s like your weight university things do change yeah. you're still evolving as a, as a person um, but actually, it was pretty stable. It was very similar. Um, and but the one other thing with the Myers Briggs, it talks about kind of how you um, like to kind of work and, and deadlines and, and mm. working away projects and things. And as a university student, I was useless at doing anything day, unless it was the day before the deadline. Yeah, yeah. I, I tried all the time to plan and I'd do this on a Monday, this on a Tuesday, all the way up to the three week deadline. Rubbish. If I had spent a bit of time gathering all the stuff I needed and then went, I'm doing an all-nighter before the deadline, like that was my best essay, so that was my best work. And actually understanding how that reflected on my cricket was really important as well. That I, I have to go to training, I can't just go, oh, I don't want to do it, I'll do it last minute. I have, there's certain structures I have to follow, but mm. actually, I knew that on the morning of a cricket match, there's a rain delay, I was fine with just hitting two or three balls on the sidelines or just doing a few ball throughs in front of the wall, you know, whatever... I, I was very capable at adapting and being very 
flexible in my preparation. And I think, again, understanding that that was one of my strengths of the way my personality is built was, was really helpful. But also understanding that somebody the opposite end of that spectrum, who likes to hit 300 balls before a game, would be a massive stress for them if there's a rain delay and suddenly you're out 20 minutes later. And it's that, like you said, that awareness of each other, your teammates, but then now where I am, like my players in my teams and squads, is hugely important. I think because cricket's such a long game and there's so many different factors, it's a very individual game as well, that understanding all that has been a really important part of my journey. The one phrase that sticks with me quite a lot was two. One is that um, independent thinking cricketers, it's a phrase that a lot of coaching things have, but actually it's hugely important because you're out in the middle, there's no coach telling you your trigger's gone a bit awry or your back's going out here or you're not pumping your arms enough when you're bowling. You've got to find it out for yourself. And also as a, as a person and as a coach, Steve Ball um, said it in one of our level four things, be yourself with skill. Mm. So understanding who you are, but you've got to be quite skillful to make sure you can fit into the different environments and the different activities that are in front of you so hence my you know i'll sit here and talk to you face to face on zoom and i love it but and it's very calming and i feel energized by it if you then put me in a zoom with a hundred faces in front of me and the the chat box going up and down suddenly there's a very different kind of feel to it so being myself with skill is is something that is my not mantra i don't really like that but something i'd go back to if i'm in a stressful time throughout my working life yeah, well, it's great to have a mantra. It's great to have a kind of a, um, a philosophy that you really, um, you know, believe in um, and feel as though, you know, it really represents you uh, being true to you. Um, uh, for, sorry, it's all right, the lights are going out where you are. But um, I, I've just, uh, I think this might be um, relevant to just what you've just been talking about. Um, I've just finished watching something on Netflix, which I'm sure you'd find interesting, Alexia. And uh, and others who um, you know find what you've been just been saying equally as interesting. So there's just uh, there's, it's only a five episode series, but it's called the Coach's Playbook, um, and it interviews um, leading individuals within their own respective sports, uh, both male and uh, female. Um, so uh, basketball, um, tennis, um, football, and what was the other one? Uh, it'll come back to me but anyway f- five leading names um, I think two female three three male just um, from memory but they all they all give um, five uh, mantras or five lessons that they've learned along the way have contributed to their style and their success um, so you know it'd be interesting to hear what you, you know, perhaps what you think of it if you have a look at it yourself or anyone listening have a go I'd definitely recommend it um, yeah, listening to you there about um, uh, you know respecting other people who perhaps are uh, perhaps at the other end of the the Myers Briggs Briggs spectrum, following that sort of line of uh, of thinking, you know, um, it it made me smile because you know thinking of all those kind of high profile clashes in the men's game, you know, someone like a, a Graham Gooch who. Uh, absolutely would be that person when there was a rain break taking advantage of you know, getting in the nets and hitting hundreds of balls probably for him thousands of balls and yet someone like um, Kevin Peterson you know he just wouldn't be bothered and, and it and it would be very much about switching on as soon as he cr- crosses the white line um, so again as a coach I think you're absolutely right to talk about the importance of respecting and understanding 
your individual player's makeup and style of approach to not just pre- uh, preparation but also performance, I guess. Yeah, and um, as you talk about that, I, I think of my friend's colleague, player, uh, Georgia Adams. So Georgia's sat in the office at the moment, um, uh, off the back of an incredibly successful season. Uh, we work together. Um, good friends, um, very, very different the way we work, uh, the way we are, uh, massive extrovert, massive introvert, um, very, very detailed, wants to get things done, Georgia, and I'm a bit more up, down, roll with it, have five balls in the air at one time, she wants to complete things and get them done, um, but both being very successful on the pitch, particularly for Sussex, if you want to compare us like for like uh, as, as captains, um, and also on our kind of journey so it's very interesting to see how two very very different people a work very successfully together but also have had very kind of similar journeys and similar experiences and uh, uh, it's been interesting working in an office environment with somebody like that um, uh, obviously I've mostly know Georgia on the pitch and, and the cricket net but it's been a, a, an interesting journey to see how somebody as talented as her and, and can, can change and, and be slightly different behind the scenes that the other people might not realise so um, yeah, it's, it's been a, a hugely important part. Understanding people, I think, is just crucial to everything in life. But for cricket, particularly, it's such a long game. You know, it's not just 90 minutes, have a shower, go home. It, it's a long day, lots of different experiences along the way. Um, and it's hugely important to, to understand it. I've written down the coach's playbook. I do love a Netflix series like that, so that would be one for me to definitely get stuck into. I, I really enjoy listening and reading about other other sports people's journeys uh, and I think it, you can really reflect on yourself and, and kind of enhance what you do by, by being reflective. Yeah, com- I'm very similar and, and um, I, I must apologise to the person who um, uh, gave me the heads up on it because I can't remember who it was but uh, but it was uh, I'm very grateful for the introduction because it was um, an excellent series and I hope there'll be a second one. Um, I mean, I'm interested to hear, um, and I'm sure other people will be, in terms of um, the word culture uh, within within an environment, um, yeah, playing environment first of all. Um, so, yeah, what what was the culture like? How would you describe that culture when you first uh, moved into, say, the Sussex women's setup, um, and or indeed uh, the England women's setup? So. Um testing my memory now, I'm getting a little bit older, but the Sussex Women's Setup was uh, obviously the, the infrastructure and the volunteers that were behind it were fantastic, um, but I think we were very, very lucky that we had Claire Connor, who was just kind of cutting her teeth as a senior England player uh, and then becoming England captain during that time as well. So um, a huge role model for me, um, very strong character, very uh, direct, very driven that knew exactly what she wanted knew exactly the kind of things that we should be doing as a county side to be successful uh, and, and she instrumental in moving us forward as a, as a as a side because we were you know division two playing against the yorkshire second team that was our hardest game of the year you know we were miles off off the off yorkshire the, the number one team throughout the 90s um and, and taking us to 2003-4-5, winning it three three years on the bounce, having never won it, much like our, our male counterparts in 2003. Um, so that, for me, was just like, wow, this is the level of you know, scrutiny. So our warm-ups, our, our cool-downs, we were even starting to chuck ice in hotel baths and things like that and towards the end of that, that three or four-year period. You know, all those things we were bringing into county cricket. And you've got to remember, county cricket, we were paying for our own yeah. shirts. We, Traveling everywhere off our own backs, 
Spain being beat. So to, to take our level of commitment on and off the pitch to that degree was a huge influence from her bringing it back there from England. And then when I started training in the England kind of junior setup in the academy, it was obvious to see so, like the influence of Claire, but obviously when the ECB was going with, with women's cricket and really supporting it through national lottery funding and, and all those kind of things, uh, it, it was like, well, this is the level we need to get to. And, and it's, it, it's now, uh, it's quite obvious to see why that period of time for England women, so we hit 2005 and then all the way up to probably 2009, 2013, was such a successful period because you had, I think, Connor and following up with Charlotte Edwards, two very, very strong um, leaders. Um, and, and the culture, as we spoke about before, was about, it, we didn't think at the time, oh, well, we've got to pay for this, we've got this, and we don't get this. It, we were just, whatever was in front of us, we took it and we embraced it and we, we trained as hard as we possibly could. And, you know, people like Claire Taylor, um, she, or Tails, there's two of them. Tails was, you know, she, she very, very studious at Oxford University. Um, she put her career on hold to try and make it as a, a, a fantastic cricketer. She did. Uh, and now got a very successful career on top of that as well. Um, but the sacrifices that people made, it kind of made that culture, like, it made you work harder because you knew what sacrifices people were making to try and be the very best in the world. It's a bit different now. Uh, I'm obviously not involved in that Indian setup, but obviously being professional, obviously with central contracts for them, is, is game-changing. It means they can devote so much time to being physically and technically the best players in the world and travelling to lots of different competitions. But also with that, there will be a culture shift because it's their job. You know, mm. it, it's not what's paying bills, it's not what's paying the mortgage and all those different things. It, it's what is actually, um, you know, for us back then, it was trying to juggle them too. Um, so it, it was different culture, but still, no, nonetheless, there was still that cutthroat, we want to win, particularly against Australia and New Zealand and countries like that. And, and that's what we wanted to do. For me, as an academy player, because I do have three caps to my name, but it's through a slightly unusual European Cup kind of status. But having played for the England Academy for the best part of about eight years, um, and played every single country that you know play international cricket as their warm-up games, and only Australia was the one team we didn't beat as an academy side in that period. Um, it was so it was so good to experience those different. Each team had a different culture. New Zealand's culture was different to Australia's, different to India's. Um, and understanding that all had some really interesting benefits to the way that they looked at the game, the way that they trained, and that kind of brutality when they get on the pitch, and uh, all those different things. And I think, like a coach, we steal stuff. None of us really recreate anything. We just steal what we think is really, really good. And I think it's the same with, with cricket. You know, England's kind of took over, especially around the 2009 time, um, and then suddenly Australia went, oh gosh, we've got to catch up, so invested more, and now we're at the point where Australia are the leading team in the world, and, and with the regional professionalisation in this country, we're now going, well, we need to catch up. So lots of different stealing and, and nicking of ideas and things, but, but generally I think, like I said, that, that women's sport, what I've seen, experienced, is that underlying desire to be the best you can be. And it doesn't matter that there's not a paycheck at the end of it because even now it's, it's not huge, um, you know, it's not game changing like it is in the men's game. So there's got to be that innate drive to just want to be the best you can be, enjoy successes of the people around you. I think that's one thing that England uh, and my experience in Sussex as well, we, we love it. We love it when someone scores a hundred or takes a, a major.
amazing one-handed specky or whatever it is. And I do think that that's been a big part of, of English women's cricket in general, um, is that we do really enjoy that. We celebrate each other's successes. Um, I remember when I retired, uh, me and Charlotte Edwards being kind of captains of the two rival Sussex and Kent teams for a number of years who battled out for that title over that time. Um, fiercely competitive. I don't think I ever, I think I might have played one game with Charlotte at some point in our careers. Um, and uh, she, t- she, she put something out on social media when I retired to say what a great competitor I was and the very best and all that. And I thought, hang on a minute, yeah, we might be always fighting on the pitch, always having battles, never really getting to know each other. But there was that huge of respect for the way we went about our cricket. Um, and now I will be seeing Charlotte Evers tomorrow because the Southern Vipers are, are based here in my building to, to start their kind of professional winter programme. So it's funny how things go full circle. Um, but in terms of, I think, really good people that understand how to win, but also has to develop themselves and develop people around them. Uh, they always seem to cross over and meet at, at different times. Um, just touching on male cricket, you know, it's slightly different than my experience as a coach was predominantly in the male game for the first three or four years at Loughborough University and at Leicestershire. I was there for a year working with their first team as their analyst. A very different way of working, but again, that when the change your door shut and they were celebrating a win or celebrating somebody's first cap, it was the same feeling. It didn't matter that you were getting paid a lot of money for it or you weren't, you were playing Ringland the next day. It was that understanding that we're all in this together and we're all just really enjoying each other and doing well. It's probably why I've stayed in sport because I just find it such a refreshing way of thinking. You know, the first time a little kid down here bowls our best player out, the joy of his face is just fantastic. And, and, you know, and I, I think um, cultures that allow people to be competitive but be kind and be caring and be reflective it's hard to build that, but once you've got it, it's such a great environment to, to, to grow as people. Yeah, you've definitely got to watch this programme on Netflix because it touches on all those areas. And um, I think the word respect um, is absolutely at the core of everything. And um, that's something which doesn't just happen, as everybody knows, but takes time and takes effort and takes commitment and takes an understanding and appreciation that you're not necessarily going to go forward um, you know, in the same direction and progress perfectly. Uh, absolutely not. There are going to be times where you get derailed, you get uh, sidetracked, uh, you go back um, a step to go forward a step, etc. But if everybody does stick together and, you know, shares that that mutual respect over time, I think that that is probably one of the most powerful, um, most powerful things in, in culture within, within high performing organisations, sport or otherwise. Um, so great, great to hear again. So you, you touched there a, a little bit. It gives me a, a lead-in um, opportunity to to ask you about um, your current role and uh, you know what um, Aldridge C- uh, Cricket Academy is all about. So um, I think it would be great to hear uh, a little bit more about that, please, Alexia. Yeah. So um, I before this job, I was at Brighton College. I'd moved back down to Sussex from Loughborough. I wanted to be back down with family. Became the first female director at a private school. Great experience, and thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, coached great players. Georgia Adams was one of them. Freya Davis, obviously the current England player, uh, were all involved in and around that time. But I had a meeting with Sir Rod Aldridge. Um, his background, he was the, the for, uh, founder of Capita, uh, which is a huge FTSE 100 company at the time. Um, and if he retired from the board, he, he wanted to invest his, his huge amount of money into something really worthwhile. Education was, was a passion of his. 
but also things like sport and entrepreneurship. Um, so he basically was just picking my brain uh, as the director of a, a leading cricket school in the country. Um, and within weeks, I decided to jump ship and, and this project was just too good to be true. Now the project is in a state school uh, in Brighton. There's a number of Aldridge sponsored schools around the country, but down here in Brighton, um, just like I said, on the edge. So the Amex football stadium, uh, Brighton Heights is behind us. We're very lucky. We've got a, a brand new school building. I'll say brand new, it's about eight or nine years old now, but uh, we built it from scratch. We've got uh, three or four pitches out there. as one cricket field, rugby, two football, and then we've got a 3G um, public ground as well out there, uh, which for, again, for a, a city state school is quite unusual to have much ground, but his passion is cricket. Um, it, he's a big football fan, but cricket was his thing. We've got to get cricket to state schools. We've got to give state school children opportunity to develop their skills, because that's where most kids go to school, and there's such a bias towards England players, uh, particularly the men, it's not so much the women, going to private schools uh, uh, on past their journey through to becoming an England or professional player. So the idea is that this school is started with our sixth form project. Um, so sixth form here studies some A-levels, uh, some vocation courses, whatever kind of their academic um, desires are and where their journey wants to go. We flex their timetable so that most of their free periods um, that you often get in sixth form colleges are hard clocked in the afternoons. So they do their study studying until about one o'clock and then they head down here to our wonderful cricket centre um, and they'll do a gym programme which is looked after by um, Sussex Cricket a Strength Condition Coach. Um, they'll be down on deck with myself from Georgia and, and Sussex Cricket Coaches. So they will come down here, so James Kirtley and Ian Salisbury and Richard House will all be involved in some of the coaching as well. Um, and they get that five days a week all year round. So again, unlike a private school setup where they might be following two or three sports throughout the year, we are focusing just solely on their cricket by the time they get to 16, 17, 18. Um, we've been on tours, so we've been on three overseas tours with those players. We've taken over 55, 60 players around the world to South Africa, Dubai, Sri Lanka, uh, which is just fantastic experiences. You know, another massively important part of cricket that you get to see such different parts of the world. Um, uh, huge development individually, especially around that, that critical age, 16, 17, 18, becoming adults. Um, we play against private schools out here on our, on our ground, which is again looked after by Sussex Cricket. In fact, the head groundsman has been here today um, to, to help out during all these different flexi furloughs and furloughs that we're seeing at the moment. Um, so that the relationship with Sussex has, has really grown and they're really part of this journey. And, with their state school partner of choice, you know, so when they, they want to promote their yeah, yeah, boys and girls going to school, they know their cricket is going to be really well looked after. Um, this is this is who they recommend. Um, so that said, two years ago, we decided to, to, to branch out. So we now have a junior pathway. So at year seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, there's also four hours plus a week of cricket and strength and conditioning in and around their, their, their normal school curriculum. Um, so it might be after school, it might be lunchtime, there might be a few non-core lessons that we manage to sneak them out of um, to get some specific cricket into them. Um, but again, it's giving them up to seven years then of, of exposure to proper pathway programmes, matches, tours, all those kind of things. Um, and it's just, for me, it's, it was a no-brainer to, to come and be in this role because I've been state-educated, as I said earlier, Fantastic experience at primary school, very poor experience at secondary school. Loved the PE teachers and the sports department, but they weren't cricket specialists, and we had no cricket pitch. 
So for a state school to have a well-looked-after square, a £1.8 million indoor cricket centre with gym and three lanes and Merlin bowling machine, etc., it's just unbelievable. And um, when we talk to parents and we explain what's happening and what we're trying to do and achieve, they first say, how much does it cost? Well, it doesn't. You just get your child to school. They work hard. They don't work hard. They're getting behind in lessons, behind in coursework. The first thing that goes is cricket. So again, I think that helps with their time management and their understanding of priorities. Um, and then wherever their journey wants to go. So we've had people go on. We've had a professional player, Will Sheffield, for the men's side. Uh, Tara Norris is a, a former a student of ours, um, obviously part of Sun Vibes professional setup now. Uh, Liam O'Brien, who's the leading physical disability player for England in the last couple of years, is one of ours as well. But just as exciting, we've got strength and conditioning coaches, we've got nurses, we've got people that have gone off uh, into business and set up their own businesses, become tradesmen. And actually, a lot of what they, when they come back and play an old Aldridge game here, we, we see each other around the cricket circuit, they're so pleased that this journey, uh, this part of the journey was there for them and they feel so lucky. Even at times when they're running around in the rain outside in, in, in November, they might not be thinking it at the time, but now they realise how lucky they were to have those experiences and those opportunities to develop. Um, and hopefully we're, we're just improving cricket generally, whether it's producing professional players or it's just making club cricket a healthier place for, for Sussex in particular to, to be in. Um, we don't clash matches on Saturdays like private schools often do, so they can go back to the clubs, the things that really develop them from, from seven, eight, nine year old and, and represent their clubs at weekends and then they play for us during the week, we play the MCC, um, we play at Arundel Castle a few times as well, which we're very fortunate, it's a wonderful ground. Um, and yes, we're just going strength to strength. We've got over 30 specific cricketers on the programme, but we've got aspirations to to double that in the next couple of years through our junior pathway. Wow. Um, and we're hopeful that we'll find a, a good gem from our local primary school that will come here, pick up a bat in year seven and then sign a professional contract when they leave in year 13. That's, that's the, the dream because they never would have had that opportunity if, if places like this didn't exist. What an advert um, for, you know, um, from a personal perspective, anybody who knows me knows that, um, you know, I'm a, a huge um, sort of, uh, advocate of of trying to um, bridge that gap between um, state school cricket and uh, and private school cricket, um, which seems to be ever increasing. So, to hear of the success um, of Aldridge Foundation and you know you being part of it um, is an absolute joy. Um, out of interest, how many uh, children are there within the school? school we have a uh, we're stuck on the edge of the city so our catchment area is quite an unusual one so things like this cricket program are a way to make sure we're keeping the school full and, and healthy and, and a real diverse mix of students we have students coming from as far from those that won't know Sussex Worthing Crawley and Hastings so that's a, a journey of over an hour in the mornings to get to school um, from year seven up to our homestead corners so there's obviously a real desire <coughs> from parents and, and the children to give themselves this opportunity um, to develop uh, and obviously cricket is embedded within our PE, core PE time as well so every child from year seven to nine will experience cricket within their core PE time and then hopefully join our cricket teams and potentially go on to the pathway and beyond so uh, yeah it's it sounds fantastic and, and we are very lucky that it, it's it's a place where we can work and, and enjoy developing 
Is there an assessment um, criteria or any any assessment criteria for um, for for children to to qualify to 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 be to you know to join the school? Um, no, um, it's the bottom line. We want anybody that's keen on their cricket or passionate uh, or athletic to show some signs. Anybody that wants to do something to do with cricket, in you come. Our skill as as kind of director of cricket at Georgia, as kind of the lead coach, is to work out how they fit into the programme, where are they currently, and they, and they are a real beginner, a real raw, okay, or we'll just build them in gently, or are they already representing the county, right, we need to crack on, get their S&C programme up and running, get them moving well, get them understanding nutrition, and there we go, so um, although we want to, to make sure that those that are going onto our full programme, or the ability to, to cope with those demands, um, anybody that wants to play cricket does find their, their way of experiencing it whilst they're here at Backer. Yeah, absolutely uh, awesome. Absolutely, I can't use a stronger word really. It's just a, an, an awesome, awesome story. So um, good luck with uh, with everything associated uh, with, with Aldridge um, Cricket Academy. And um, yeah, I, I hope and I'm sure everyone else will um, will wish this, the same success uh, for you and everybody associated with it because it sounds like an, such an amazing project. Um, Alexia, uh, we really, really appreciate your time, and um, you know, for not knowing, um, not knowing you before this conversation, I, I've certainly got a much better insight into into you, the individual, as well as the professional. And there's a lot more to it than those uh, sort of those highlights on um, uh, on the introduction. So, a very self aware individual, um, somebody who's very self reflective, and and also I think. Uh, you know, without doubt competitive and wanting to win but but in a way that is respectful of others uh, and and also interested in in other people genuinely interested in other people around you whether it be colleagues whether it be um whether it be youngsters um and I, and I think the, the the last thing I would say um that comes across uh, to me and I'm sure to to our listeners is that you know you've certainly embraced every single challenge and every single step along your journey with absolute full commitment and I think that's um, such a, a commendable uh, quality for uh, for anybody to have and again such a great um, uh, sort of a great example of, of leadership and role model um, for for the younger uh, generation uh, listening to, to this uh, on our podcast series so we really appreciate your time and uh, thank you very much indeed. Thanks for listening, everybody. As a reminder, each Cricket Coach 365 podcast will be released every Friday at 6pm on Spotify and Apple Play. After listening, please leave us a positive review on Spotify and share it with your friends and contacts. You can also follow us on Instagram at cricket underscore coach 365. Have a great day.